friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Evangelicals Podcast. All right, on this episode, I have Marcy, who runs the account Black Coffee with White Friends. Her Instagram account's amazing. Her website is so cool. Um, it's beautifully done. And Marcy is a storyteller. Marcy is someone who is trying to bridge the gap and to help people like me better understand the Black experience in America. And honestly, this conversation it's really her telling her story and it's powerful and it's beautiful. And it gave me so much to think about. I was so grateful to have Marcy on. Um, so thank you, Marcy, for listening to this, for making the time. It means so much. Um, so I hope you all enjoyed this episode and this interview with Marcy. That being said, um, I want to say, if this is your first time listening, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. If you can give us a rating and a review, um, either through Apple Podcasts or on YouTube, it's just a huge help to have uh, someone subscribe to our YouTube channel or to have someone review or rate the podcast. It helps us get seen, helps the word get out there, and I appreciate that. As always, if you want to support the podcast and support the work that we do, you can click on the donation link in our show notes. Good news, friends. We have officially submitted our nonprofit application, so hopefully very soon we'll have that 501c3 status, and that means that all of your donations are tax deductible. All of your money goes right back into New Evangelicals, helping us create our upcoming docu-series called Community conversations, helping us cover overhead and helps cover my time. I sincerely appreciate everyone who has given. There's a lot of work here, folks. I, no joke, spent about 30 to 35 hours a week on top of having another full-time job, on top of having a pregnant wife and a family. Uh, so this is a lot of work, but I love it. The work is so necessary to do uh, to, push, uh, to push the church forward. So want to say thank you to everyone who's donating. And if you're interested in doing that, Click on the link. All right, friends. Hey, without further ado, here is my interview with Marcy. I hope you enjoy it. Talk to you all next week. All right, Marcy, um, excited to have you on the New Evangelicals podcast. Thank you for making time. I think this is going to be a very good conversation. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I do. I love your feed. So I'm curious and a little bit nervous. <laughs> I won't you're, lie. I'm you're nervous. nervous. <laughs> You have yeah, 100,000 followers on Instagram. I'm the nervous one here. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm an introvert who who that just happened to. So that just <laughs> makes you really nervous. <laughs> no problem. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's start here because your Instagram account and also your website is called Black Coffee with White Friends. That's a great name. I love that. Give, me, give us the background to Marcy. Like what kind of sparked this account? You know, what What? What was in your mind when you said, you know what, I got to start this thing, especially as an introvert, putting yourself out there yeah. in the public light. That That's a big deal. So give us the background. Yeah, well, um, it, it really starts with college. I, I'm 52 now. But I'm going to take y'all way back. But, okay. um, I like it. When I, when I was in college, I went to Kent State and I was studying writing. And it was the one thing that I knew... I could do and I love to do. But at that time, there was no internet. There were no blogs. None of that existed. People didn't have laptops. You went to like a computer lab. And being a writer just wasn't something that was a thing. It, mm. it, it was something that happened to a certain few cases. Um, right. You know, like the Maya Angelou's of the world. But it didn't happen to just regular folk. Mm. And so... I always was trying to think of a backup plan. Like, you know, could I be a lawyer? No, I'm introverted. 
<laughs> you know, like there's just so many things that I knew I could never do. Yeah. And um, I struggled in the writing program. It wasn't yeah. that I struggled with writing. I struggled with um, being in groups, reading my work out loud, um, just presenting and, and being vulnerable in mm. that kind of a space. Mm. It's very difficult because you're, you know, you're face to face and people are talking about your work while you're in the room. Yeah. And for me, it was, it wasn't even the, any criticisms that I was worried about. It was just the, the, the whole full light exposure, like just feeling very exposed. Mm. And I was writing about these very personal things that happened in my family and stuff like that. Mm. Mm. And I was the only black person in that classroom Mm. (laughs) and those classes and those workshops. And so when I, so I ended up dropping out of college my like my senior year I think I had 10 credits to go and I was like I I don't know what I'm doing and my thinking was well if I don't know what I'm gonna do with a degree maybe I'll need a degree that's not true children get your degree you need it (laughs) um but for some reason I thought I was the first to go off to college in my family like generations deep so I was the first and I kind of just didn't know how to what that meant, what would be the next step. I panicked. Mm. And I think I left for those reasons. And I kind of just wrote privately. I just mm. wrote for myself. And my family would say things like, one day you're going to write about us and you're going to write this great book. And I just kind of was like, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I don't know how to make that happen. So I worked in bookstores and I worked in cool shops and I moved to Chicago and for a short time I was a barista and I worked in the restaurant industry and I did all these different things that were passions for me but I kind of just didn't know what to do with the writing um skipping forward after marriage and then divorce and what that felt like being Mm. A church girl is is really difficult to walk yeah, through, yeah. and especially being a black church girl mm. who's now a divorced single mom um, felt I felt very scrutinized. And then um, I was in this group with some women who kind of it was kind of funny. They I think they thought they were saving me. <laughs> I, I think they were kind of evangelizing me. Uh, but I already was a Christian, but right. I think they just thought oh, there's this poor, like, single girl, and I look a little younger than my age, especially then. And so I think they thought, oh, there's this poor teen, and she just needs help. But I was, like, 33. I was, like, a grown person. I had a life. And so we all became friends, and we started um, Bible studies together. They came to my place, and um, I ended up marrying one of their brothers who lived in Austin, Texas. Wow. (laughs) It's such a weird story to tell. But anyway, um, when I moved, he looked for a job here when we were um, dating and when we, you know, before the wedding and he couldn't find one. So the decision was to go to Austin. Me and my daughter would, we get married and we go to Austin. And um, when I got to Austin, which I love Austin, Mm. It was a culture shock because I was coming from Chicago. I was yeah. coming from um, 
definitely segregated spaces, but still I would see black people all the time. I would see Mm. people from different countries all the time. I would see Hispanic people and Asian people. When I got to Austin, it was just really white. (laughs) And, um, And I remember it was really just boldly Christian. Like I, I, I saw so many crosses and so many flags and so many mm. fish on the back of cars, oh. <laughs> which was very strange to me. Cause I came from this city where I met people who were Muslim and I met people who were atheists and agnostic and um, Hindu and Buddhist. I, you know, I met, uh, I, I met witches. I met like the run of right. the mill with Chicago. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So it was a very, and, and everyone was fine with everyone, you know? And I met a lot of um, gay and queer folk. And mm. when I came to Austin, all that ended. It just, there was, I, I none of that integrated living what's happening. Mm. Um, I was just kind of like this white, this in this white space which I was comfortable with because I'd grown up going to all white schools and, you know, my campus, Kent State, is a pretty um, high rate of, of whiteness there. So I, w- I was used to that. But what I wasn't used to is that everyone that I met had the exact same worldview and it was super conservative for, mm. for the most part. Yeah. And I would hear things about, you know, the country and Jesus and, and, and it just kind of, and I wouldn't say anything in these groups, like these Bible studies that I was involved in because I really didn't know how, I, I, I really didn't know how to speak to those things. Right. And, um, you know, I would, I, I was in the Bible study not even that long ago when someone, we were going around and saying, who was our, who would we like to have dinner with? And one of the women said, Thomas Jefferson. And all I could think is, would I be serving that? Would my people be serving it? Right. It was so bizarre to me. And like, it was just, but it was good because I was learning. What I was learning was that you could earnestly read your Bible every day. These were Bible reading people and come up with a, a totally different conclusion. And I yep. was bewildered by that. And mm. so, yes, yes, yes. We had our daughter at a um, small Christian university model classical education school. Okay. Um, it's a mouthful, it's a lot. And she was at this school, and one night, and she was the only black girl in her class. Okay of two black students in our whole middle school. Wow. (laughs) That was it. Just two. And on the campus, there were maybe three kids in the high school and middle school and the upper levels and maybe a handful of black kids who were like in pre-K and in elementary. So not like she was in a, in a sea of whiteness. And I really didn't think anything of it because I thought that's how I grew up. And what I wanted for her is to have the experience of a Christian worldview. That's what I thought I was supposed to want for her. Yep. And I also wanted for her to 
be with people who wanted to learn. Like I wanted her to feel, cause she had been bullied in her, in her school pre- previously, a public school because she was smart. And I didn't want her to get this idea that smart wasn't worth it. So mm. I was really worried about that. And I wanted her to be the first to graduate from college in my family. So, right. so education was very important in our household. So we get into the school and it seems great, but I'm noticing that, yes, there are other black children, but I'm the only black mom in mm. the whole school. Like, of, I don't know how many families, um, let's say over 200 families. I think it's wow. more than that or, wow. you know, but somewhere around there, it's, it's not, it's a small school, but it's not impossibly small. You know right, what I mean? Right. So it's, we were at a, I think she was about to enter into the ninth grade and we went to the parent night and I was sat there listening to, you know, the, all the heads of the departments tell us what to look forward to, what, what was going to be happening at the, at the high school level of this education. And the history professor announced they were going to be doing slave debates. And I was like, say what now? Like I was just sat there like, wait, what did you say what? Slave what, debates. what like, year is this? Like what year are we talking about here? Oh, we're talking about 20. This was pre-Trump. So 2013, 2014. So eight years ago. Yeah, like I'm not talking about that long ago. So, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So we're not talking about, yeah. about like Jim Crow era, technically, right? Yeah. We're talking about like, you know, 2013. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Got it. Exactly. Exactly. And I was just kind of like, and they were going to, she said that they were going to have to present both the pros and then they would switch and they'd have to do the cons. So they, they did both sides. And my husband and I freaked out, of course. Um, yeah. And I, 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 but I was still, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty introverted person and I wasn't really sure. I hadn't even been faced with that. I grew up in, I grew up in a small um, white middle, middle Western town in Ohio, where we were one of the only black families who integrated this whole school system. Mm. And I had never, never <laughs> had that happen. Um, wow. never had an assignment like that. I mean, I had some jacked up excitement assignments and lessons right. on slavery, but right. I've never had that. Right. And so, um, I think I reached out to, I had this thing happening to me where I was one of the only black women that a lot of other white women knew. And so, and when they met another black woman, Latasha Morrison, who started Be the Bridge while she was in Austin, they were yeah. always trying to get us together. And I was always like, well, I, maybe I'll like her. Maybe not. I mean, do you like every white woman that <laughs> right, you meet? Right. It was like this weird thing. Right. But someone had given me her number, her email or her number. And I have met her briefly, like in a like, hi good to see you. How do you like being black in Austin kind of a way, you know, like it wasn't like this yeah. real deep dive, but right. I was desperate. I went home and I was, you know, like crying and upset. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to, um, do this for a second. You there? Yeah. Okay. I am going to reach out to her because I, I can't, the only way I can explain this is that it when sometimes when these racist moments happen, mm. 
when you're a person in black skin hmm. or brown skin or Asian skin, yeah. There's this moment where you think, because it's so conditioned, where you wonder if it happened huh. and if it was racist. Like you have this moment where you're just like, am I making too much of this? Am I being, mm. am I being too sensitive? Because mm-hmm. we're often told that we're being too sensitive. We're thinking racially. We shouldn't be thinking that way. Mm. And also when you add the element of Christ and Christianity yeah. and God to it, right? Yeah. And these are supposed to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. You're particularly cautious before you make any sort of assumption, right? So you own all these feelings in the space and you you call up your sister. Well, first I called, I, I didn't call up my sisters or my family because I was really embarrassed because I I was I knew what they would say they would go off and be like, get her out of that school. And I was, and, right. and I felt like I was letting them down because mm. that was the other thing. Our family was really hopeful for, they were very, we were very, we're like, wow, we got a kid at this private school. That's this elite university model school. And she's really smart. So she has aunties and grandparents who are just rooting for her. Right. Right. And so I didn't want to let them down. So I, I reached out to Latasha and I just said, hey, <laughs> in this email, hi, I'm not a black woman in Austin. Everyone tells you about kind of thing. Right. Um, we have some mutual friends. I have a situation. I wondered if you could help me. And I just basically explained to her what happened. And I said, am I being too sensitive? And I didn't think I hear a thing back from her. I did it more as a cathartic exercise myself yes. because I had already answered my question by the time I hit send. Right. Was that, yeah, you're going to yes. have to speak up, introvert, and say something. Right. So, um, yeah. So I ended up, um, she emailed me back. I think it couldn't have been 20 minutes later. It wasn't wow. even that long later. And Whoa. she was like, um, yes, this is a problem. And I have had several, I have a problem with that school is what she said. Um, wow. Cause it wasn't the first incident that she'd heard about. I don't think about that school or she was familiar with their, their, their textbooks and stuff. I, I never really found out what she meant by that, but for her personally, but as I did more asking questions of the administration, I started to understand this is bigger deeper um and much more much more heaven touching earth than i than i can even understand like this is this is a god thing Mm. um Mm. this is it this is the thing where jesus says to the disciples and they say why couldn't we cast out the demon and he says, well, this one only prayer can, like, th- it was that kind of a thing. Because mm. um, when you have educated people who earnestly love God and love theology and are bent on excellence, and we used to hear excellence all the time yeah. from the school, right? they have a very hard time hearing that they are not excellent. Mm. it's it's a it's very hard to hear that and so anything that comes back to them is taken as an attack of Satan. yeah 
you know, right. Satan's always attacked the school. Totally. Satan's always wanted to take us down. So there was, um, I, I did talk to the teacher, my um, husband and I talked to the head of the, of the history department and the head of the high school and who the head of the high school had adopted a young black boy. He's maybe like, I don't know, maybe he was first, second grade, little one, maybe even younger than that. So he was very interested in coming to the table and having this conversation. And we had several conversations 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 and we got a diversity team to talk about the conversations. And I wrote, um, I wrote up a proposal for what to do with the conversations that we were having and nothing was done. I think they added some, some black books to black books written by black people to their summer reading list, but nothing significantly changed. Not, not one iota. Oh my goodness. And the whole time that this was happening, my husband and I were going back and forth. I would go back and forth to my husband saying, maybe I should write. Maybe I should just go back. Maybe she, maybe she do a blog. Maybe I should just take all the stuff that I've written. I was writing my daughter letters and I should put them on a blog. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then the next day I go, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and, um, and he's a graphic designer and a letter and a topographer and an amazing one at that. And then the next one I wake up, I say, I think I need a logo for my blog. And then yeah. like by dinner, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds so, about right. <laughs> we would go back and forth. But then when this happened, what, what really touched it off was that when Trump was running for office, yeah. um, I was having conversations with other moms, white moms, who were vilifying Hillary Clinton, which perplexed me. I, I, I didn't know what to do with Hillary Clinton, and I didn't know what to do with Trump. I knew what to do with Trump. I did not know what to do with Hillary Clinton. Right, yeah. But yeah. I... And I, I was befuddled as every other um, Christian from an evangelical upbringing, the you know, or Catholic or Protestant, whatever it is. That you, we were all like in a tizzy. Like, yeah. what do we do? How do we vote? Right. And one of the women who was supposed to be like the sage, prophetic prayer warrior, mm-hmm. which I hate that term, the prayer warrior. Yes. Um, and she said, because a friend and I were talking after our prayer meeting, because I was I, I joined the prayer team. She said to my friend who had said, you know, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I can't vote for him. You know, like she was mm. clear on that. And this woman came and said to me, a black woman, you know, after my friend had said he's racist, he's misogynistic, she right. said, well, I'm voting for the unborn babies. Mm. And I just went, wow. I, wow. I, I just was like, over the racism, over the, the fact that he's, you know, assaulted women, um, over all these prayers that you've offered for parents who were facing divorce and all the times that we sat in this room and we prayed for their marriage, but this man's been divorced three times, which for me is not a big problem. I, I've been divorced too, but it was the hypocrisy of it. It was this hypocrisy of 
um, this certain sort of sacredness of family. And yet we had this man who did not value family. Right. And yet she said that. And I just kind of thought, I'm going to make sure that my daughter knows that I cared about what was happening, if nothing else. I'm going to publish all this because let me tell y'all who aren't there yet, your 12-year-old, your 13-year-old, I don't care what's going on in the world. They don't want to hear it from you. (laughs) They don't want to have deep conversations about Mm, the things. Um, You you get moments of that and it's glorious when you do. Mm. But for the amount of things that were happening at the rapid fire way that they were happening, when you're 13 and you're just trying to get through your school day, the last thing you want to hear in the car is, so let's talk about what the president said or this, this candidate said, or this, this, the, what happened to Trayvon or what, you know, like the last thing that they want to hear are these things. So I started writing these letters because my mom died in 2010 Mm. and I didn't have her stories and Mm. she, she died and she had lived through Jim Crow. She had, gone through all the her father was a slave so like i so my grandfather was i didn't know any of the stories and she left us nothing and so i didn't want to leave my daughter behind without knowing that these things mattered and i wanted her to understand my view of christ compared to what she, what I knew she was getting at school. Mm. And it was one of those things where my husband and I went, like there'd be things that would happen and we went. And, you know, like we, we, we knew that all these things that we, we weren't on board with were happening, but we just were like, oh, it's so bad, but it's a really good school and she's safe. Mm. That's a terrible word. Um, when you are sacrificing Mm. your integrity and your identity for safety that's that's those are dangerous waters and Mm. we were doing that Mm. and um you know i said to a friend i think it was kevin garcia i said i will never trust the into uh uh, institution of my intuition ever again and that's basically what i was doing i was trusting in this institution that's not just an education but it's 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 almost like a church because it's Christ-based and it's, mm-hmm. it's, and we're, we're having prayer teams. It's running itself essentially very much like a church. They even had like, you know, creeds and stuff like that. Like they had this um, statement of faith, you know? And, yeah. and so we ended up leaving that school, but I wrote a whole lot about while I was writing to my daughter, I was like, you know, I might as well write what, to these white friends, what I feel, the things mm-hmm. that I haven't said, the things that I haven't told them, the experiences that they haven't looked at, um, the way that God shows up in this beautiful Mongo Day way that God is so diverse, as diverse as, as the furthest star, cosmos, black holes. I mean, in all of creation, that kind of a diverse God certainly can't just be white and male and cisgender, yep. right? Yep. So um, right. the image of God reflected in all these things has to be greater yep. than what we are teaching our kids to protect um, and uphold, and certainly more, more than America. So I um, wanted her to know that there was a God who loved her no matter what. Mm. And so I started writing about that. And I wanted my 
white friends to know that I too possess the Imago Dei and reflect yeah. the, the the image of God. And it is good, just right. as good as their own reflection. So that that that's where it took off. And then when we did the the Instagram, I told my husband I wanted something that looked pretty because I, I was like, I don't want I want this to be something that's not just about race, but all every aspect of me. I love movies and TV and poetry and books and music and I, I in another life, I swear I hope I was a hip hop dancer. Like I, I wanted all these things to be represented in my feed. Um, yeah. So that's what the feed is. It's it's it is a random feed of random feelings. Um, <laughs> my mockingbird history lessons feed is a lot more just about history, but you know I don't even know what my next post will be. Yeah. You know, like totally. I, I just kind of go with what I'm feeling. Wow. Well, first, let me say thank you for sharing all the details of that story. Um, I took some notes as you were talking. Like, okay, I want to come back to this. I want to come back to this. And as you kept going, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, we really could be here forever because um, I'm not sure how much you see to my feed, you know, but like I'm very, especially right now, yeah. really passionate about the Christian nationalism that we're seeing and the racism right. we're seeing. And we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing your story. I mean, it's beautiful. And I do want to say, by the way, and this is true, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. When I saw your logo on the website, I go, that is a sweet font. Like, I love that font, <laughs> black coffee. Like, like the way it looks is so elegant. So is, is that your husband who did that? That's, that's my husband. And I, you know, it's awesome. he is, it, he's funny because, um, my daughter laughs because it's a collaboration. I, you know, I think I might be the worst art director he ever had. Like I'm constantly asking for things and he's like, no, no. And, um, just, That's that like spousal doing, relationship yeah, too though. You know, yeah. it's a little bit different. He's like, no, like I'm like, make it look like a typewriter. He's like, no, God, no. You know, like, crazy. You know? <laughs> exactly. yeah. So, so yeah, he's brilliant. He really, really is. And, and please um, let him know. It, it, yeah. it, I, 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 it was the first thing I noticed. I go, Wow, I've never seen a font like that. It really is. It's awesome. So my, my hat's off to him. It's beautiful. Um, Aww, thank you. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, okay, wow. So much here. Um, it, one of my questions that, that I am, you know, I, I tell a lot, I'm very honest with, with my followers and, and, and transparent. And as of this recording, I am very deep in this, in like, deconstructing my own colonization meaning right. i'm just like realizing more and more how whiteness is the center of everything in american culture especially if you're a white male how like the privilege you have is like through the roof right and i'm like okay yeah. i'm starting to see mm -hmm. it i still have a long way to go but like, i'm starting mm -hmm. to put pieces together right like oh okay i'm seeing mm -hmm. the differences here right? And, right and that's important but i'm also as that's happening i'm realizing like wow, like evangelical culture is more white culture than it is even like sound theology. And I think yeah. I think we saw that really explode with the 2016 and then the 2020 election when you had right. a literal insurrection 
um, with people waving Jesus banners, right? Then you're like, oh, okay. Exactly. Something yeah. is like, I mean, yeah. I thought the alarms were going off crazy in 2016, and now they're just like, you know, the, the, the steam yeah. is rising, the, the building is on fire. Um, yeah. You know, where do you think, in, in, in your view, in your experience, this comes from? Because like you said, you've probably met people like me who – are well-intentioned. They, they, they don't think about yeah. it like that at all. They think they, you know, they're Christians. Mm-hmm. They want to be Thomas Jefferson. It's like Thomas Jefferson, right. the guy who not only owned slaves, but cut out parts of the Bible and mocked the resurrection. Like he's not even yeah. a good Christian, even if he didn't own yeah. slaves. Like that's <laughs> yeah, what I mean. Exactly. Where do you think yeah. some of this comes from? You know, I, I think we all want to belong. Hmm. And, and I, I think it starts there. I think we all want to belong and we all want to feel like our belonging is protected. Hmm. And so when you're belonging, when you, when you belong to so many places, like literally everywhere that you, you go, you yep. belong. Right. It's really hard to imagine not having that. Yeah. And so I think a long time ago when um, just getting into the history of it a long time ago, when black people were suddenly free, which when I say suddenly, I mean, in air quotes, suddenly free, right. Right, Took forever. But for white people that felt very aggressive. The reconstruction age was very aggressive to them. Yeah. Cause suddenly, um, where could they go, right, and still have their sense of belonging not um, infringed upon, right? And so we get Jim Crow from that. We get all these Black code laws and all this Jim Crow, and we get policing from that. All of that comes out of that. There's this, and the church is just simply always looking for a leader to tell them that they belong. Yeah. And so we have these leaders like Cotton Mathers. Um, we also have Billy Graham. And we yeah. have these people who who created a theology yeah. that basically said, yes, slavery is terrible and it's bad, but it's for the greater good of God, right? It's just for the greater good of God. And yes, segregation is terrible and it's awful and we should definitely be integrated but white people should be in charge of how that how that moves and how that works right right that is the task so so there's this creation of this um possession of whiteness that needs to be protected in order to feel like it can belong um because it has belonged literally everywhere and so it is the one race that when it goes into another space and it's the only one in the space, it changes the whole culture of the room. Yes. Like the fact that we, if we had um, African people come here to, as missionaries to our church to tell us the good news, right? they would have to change their culture to fit white culture in order to do it. That's right. But that's not the way our missions work. That's right. Our missions take our culture with us. White culture goes with it. And that comes from this whole idea that we were going to 
tame the savage beast. We're going to save the savage beast. That slavery would be good for them because they're savage and they're beastly. And even though um, Christianity came out of the Middle East and Africa, like it, it came from that, you know, yet the belief was that, well, if they, if they knew God, but really what we're saying is that they knew white, you're right. If they knew how to assimilate into whiteness, well, they'll be okay. It'll be yeah. better. They there wouldn't be wars. But the truth is that whiteness has wars and disease and pandemics. We're living in it right now, and uh, whiteness has debt in its country. Um, but the belief in poverty and all these things. Um, and lack of health care and yeah. lack of food and yeah. food deserts and food famines. But we have this belief that whiteness doesn't, ex- none of that exists within what, when whiteness is in control. Yeah. And so we take our, our broken system of democracy. Democracy on paper is a beautiful, brilliant thing. Sure. But democracy in the hands of people who, who are self-protective and need power yep. is a very dangerous thing. Right. And so what we do is we then take that to China and we take it to Africa and we take it to all these other places and we say, hey, um, this is how you worship God. Yeah. Um, and we say yoga's terrible right. and demonic. Yeah. Drums are terrible and demonic. You're 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 That's too far. modest <laughs> enough. I know. But 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 this is what they say right. dancing is demonic right. Totally right. when all of these cultures are different expressions of God yeah. existing. Yeah. And so I think it comes from that. And I, I honestly don't know if, if there's one particular point of entry right. or a million it's right. so hard to narrow, yeah. but um, because, I, because I'm just talking about the black, story i'm just talking about black history i'm not talking about asian history i'm not talking about queer history i'm not talking about disabled history right but there is a whole i'm not talking about um size um Mm. because we have we have that too in the christian world like you know that thin is next to godliness and anyone who's not a certain size that they are obviously not um godly and holy so we have a lot of misconceptions about what the good news is. And I love what Lisa, I don't know if you're familiar with Lisa Sharon Harper. Um, A little bit, yes. She she wrote this beautiful book called A Very Good Gospel. And I love, she tells the story about how she could never show up on the doorstep of her ancestors who would have been a woman who would have been a house slave, right? Enslaved to a household of whiteness. And she couldn't just show up on the door and say, good news, you're saved. All your sins are forgiven. Mm. And that be enough, you know, because um, without justice, without the slave master being also um, repentant and um, changing his ways, what would it matter? How how could the slave possibly live a changed life um, in shackles? So we we really have this, I think, this this earnest belief that there's something here that needs to be protected. 
Um, because it is, it's a scary thing to open your door to the fact that it really doesn't matter. Every single person who's ever breathed a breath on this earth is a reflection of God. Right. And that is too much for us to handle. Now, what we do with that reflection of God is a whole different ball game. Right. Right. But we are all reflections of the Imago Day, and we are all um, neighbors. And um, and those who choose not to be neighbor is our enemy. And the the requirement remains the same. Yeah. You know yeah. that we are still called to love. So, right. what do we do with that? You know. Yeah. No, I think that's really. That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds Wrap. And the sound of me not doing dishes. And the sound of me spending more time outside with my family. Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap. I like the sound of that. Good. I was even thinking about, um, you know, at the time of this recording, it's uh, the Afghanistan debacle is unfolding, right? And, like, the images Mm -hmm. are just terrible. People throwing their children over the fence. It's horrible. Right. And, you know, just thinking about how, you know, America's hands are just all over it from Reagan arming mm-hmm. what was, well, mm-hmm. well, I should say what, what became the Taliban and, you know, just all those different groups. Right. And it's like, you know, if, if, if a group came over here and tried to impart their culture into America, you th- right. darn believe that the proud boys would be right. doing whatever oh they my could gosh, do. They, to, they would to, lose their minds. They would lose their minds, right? This is a takeover. Yeah. And I was, it hit me the other day that I'm like, you know, this idea that like we could just export American white democracy to other parts of the world that have no they, they, they operate by a different cultural set of norms, right? It's like right. not fair to assume that we have a better model in currently than like right. whatever is happening in other countries. And it, it, it is I'm just realizing more and more like, I, as these pieces start falling into place. Right. It's like, oh, like, OK, mm-hmm. yes, like this. And this history goes back a long way. One of the questions I was thinking about as you were talking is, I'm curious to know, like, what keeps you um, a committed Christian, right? Because, again, just to be transparent, I definitely, I think as I've been deconstructing my theology and now deconstructing just the... The, the the white factor of what I've inherited, I'm trying to like sift through and be like, okay, what's like beautiful and good and true about the Christian faith and what has just been like white culture given to me of like, no, this is how we have to do it, you know? So like, yeah. like I'm curious for you, what keeps you grounded in the Christian tradition despite obvious, you know, obviously it, it's it, it's severe abuse um, here in the States at, at times? Well, for me, it's, I really love the Bible and all its mm. complexity and mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't love every translation of the Bible. No. <laughs> but, um, mm. And I, it's also knowing it, I don't have the barrier of whiteness to know that um, I, I sometimes I think it's a barrier where, where you're so insulated that, that there are no other options. And so growing up with other otherness in my life all the time, you know, I had a mom who was mentally ill, mm-hmm. loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. I've had, I have sisters who have lost children, mm-hmm. whose children have died, my niece and my nephew, they love Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. I've had grand, a grandfather who was a slave, loved Jesus. So I feel like, and their expression was so different than anything that I experienced while I was in Texas. 
Mm. Um, it didn't come with wolf. My grandfather, it, it's, it's nothing for me to be like, well, of course, there's no such thing as quiet time being the only way to know God. Mm. Everyone in the world can't read. That can't be the only way to know God. Mm. So I had an uh, a grandfather who couldn't read and write. So, but he knew God. Mm. So for me, just as much as I love the Bible, it's really loving people mm. that has kept me. I see so much beauty in people. Yeah. Even though, trust me, I get a lot of <laughs> a lot of um, really hateful, harmful, mm. toxic comments sometimes um, on certain posts. Yeah. But the majority of what I've experienced is really beautiful. Mm. Even when it's messy and it's wonky and it's weird and yeah. they've said it wrong, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, or they, you know, but the stumbling forward is really beautiful. And for me, I always, mm. I'm really into um, this sort of cosmic experience of God too. Mm. That that keeps me going. That I don't have to just rely on pastors or that I can actually literally look at what's happening in the cosmic yes. world and say, my gosh, that's God all over, you mm, know? Mm. Um, and isn't that amazing? The gravity can have me going for days. You know, just <laughs> the very fact that we have it right. is right. absolutely astonishingly miraculous and beautiful and intelligent and glorious and awe-inspiring. So for me, it's, really simple things that keep me going it's my it's my dog my dog slays me daily she's just um richard Rohr. i wrote mm. in the universal christ he dedicated his book to his dog who he says what who too was christ to him we've had guinea pigs tortoises my daughter was going to be a scientist at one point y'all uh, um and we bought all the pets because she's yes, going to be a vet and then she's but like she's majoring in poetry. So yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> so we, um, but we, we experienced God through all of these animals. Like we, we, we just are books. Keep me going. Um, yeah, yeah. People's stories keep me going. I love the fact that there, I've met so many people who have said, who, who have really been dealt a really raw deal from the church and they still insist that they are loved by God. Mm. That is enough for me. When Pope Francis came out and said that, you know, basically said that he would not support gay unions and um, really was hurtful yeah. to the gay community. I honestly thought, oh my gosh, am I going to have to stop listening to my Pray As You Go app? I really love that Jesuit community and all these sorts of things. And then um, when J.K. Rowling said what she said about trans people, well, there's several things that she said about the trans community. I was like, oh my gosh, I love Harry Potter. Am I going to have to give up Harry Potter? Mm. But I listened to this. I listened to gay people own their faith regardless of that and it's so it's so striking to me and so i'm learning from them and right. i'm learning from um trans people are just like 
I don't really care what the heck J.K. Rowling's talking about. I'm a Hufflepuff. You know, mm. like it's just <laughs> it, it 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 astonishes me how much people refuse to allow those who think they have power to have power over their mm. lives. And I feel that way about my own. I'm like, yeah, you have power, but you you don't have power over this life. Mm-hmm. You can't control how I think. You can't control how I pray. You can't con- control how I worship this God. You will not. You mm-hmm. cannot. Mm-hmm. And you can put all your regulations on your churches. You can put together all your creeds, all your statements of faith. But at the end of the day, this church is not a building. Right. This church resides in me and the heart of you right. and the heart of all these people who have said um, that they love Jesus. And I don't mean that they said that they said the prayer. Right. That's nonsense. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, that they have decided to say that I believe that what Jesus said is true, that um, to love God is to love people. I believe that what Allah said is true, that right. to love God is to love people. Or I believe what the Buddha says is true, to love God is to love people. And it's very strange how all these people are saying the same thing. Mm. And so when someone says namaste to me or bumps to me, I'm just like, yeah, that's God. Mm. So for me, it's it's not a question of what the church is doing. For me, when I'm calling out white evangelicalism and white um, Protestantism that's supporting nationalism. Right. Um, I'm pointing out the institution. Yep. yep. Not the people. That's right. Um, at least not directly. Right. But a lot of times what I have is I get this pushback of people being very offended by that. Um, which all I can say is, but you're not offended by the least of these people being literally pulled from the table yep that's the right. very table that that jesus came and sat right that makes no sense to me right. so I, I i i always think with these people I'm saying, well, there's no one in the bible that's good enough for them there there's nothing but whores and prostitutes and rebels right. and um um adulterers and drunks and, rapists <laughs> and drunks right right there are all these people who are so flawed in right. the Bible and Jesus's genealogy, um, all the way from the get- beginning. Abraham, Abraham was a, was really not that great of a dude, right. and yet he's the father of all. Mm. And I don't question that. I think, yeah, I want someone who's a little busted up. There's yeah. no perfection outside of God and Christ. So, so for me, I. I don't have a problem with that, but I I worry for people who are excluding so many because I I worry that they're not seeing God. They're, they they ha- they don't see the face of God. They see um, a single strand of hair at best. Right. When there are so many moving parts to this great and glorious being that yeah. created us all. Yeah. No, I I think that's spot on. Um, I really wrestle with that with, with what you said about um like the rise of, you know, Christian nationalism. And I just wonder like often, like what book are you reading? Like you read Matthew 25 where Jesus is like, you know, talking about a parable, the sheep and the goats and 
he's, he's using all these metaphors. And one of them is like, if you don't take care of the poor, like judgment awaits. Right. And we yeah, read that. We're yeah. like, ah, oh, well, are they, you know, are they drug right. tested? You know, <laughs> like, it's like, right. that's exactly. what's going on here. Exactly. And, then, and then you have people who exactly. are like, yeah, we have to make hymns to Trump. And you're like, wait, that's not in the Bible. Like, okay, what books, yeah. you know, like I think it was, was yeah. the first Dallas church that wrote the hymn, make America great again. And sang yeah. it for the July Fourth service, and you're like, "Yeah, wait a second, guys. I mean, I'm yeah. no Bible expert, but if we're gonna go through the Gospels, you're not gonna see a lot yeah. of this." <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's very interesting to me to 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 see people that that have a very strong verbal language of Christian, right? Jesus, right. forgiveness, acceptance, love. They sing these worship songs, right? Sean Foyt is touring the U.S. singing these worship songs about how much God loves people. And then he's posing, right. you know, he, he he's supporting Proud Boys on his platform. He's making crazy, right. you know, sometimes just straight up racist statements. And you're like, right. Sean, like, how are you singing these songs mm-hmm. about God's unconditional love? And then like, and then pushing the complete opposite from your platform. Right. It, it's, right. it's, it's, it's crazy. It is. It's it's really crazy. And a lot of it, I think, is um, not knowing people. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think if your experiences, I, I always try to think of, of um, people's lived experiences because it's very hard to, I'll, I'll use myself as a perfect example. So I grew up in a church that the Black church is very much um, I feel anti-gay as most churches are, right? But in the black church, it's a whole different ball game because it's like it's more like um, we're on show, and it, there's that whole thing of trying to prove our our worthiness. And so when you're black and gay in the in the church, which happens all the time you keep that silent, right? Mm. There, there, there's, there's fair, you would think that we would be the opposite. You would think that we would be full of love and understanding and grace and understand that um, love is love, considering the, 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 all the laws against mixed race marriage, right? But we're not, we're we're totally not. And so we're not there yet. We've gotten better, but we're not there yet. So, recently um my daughter came out Mm. and it was this funny thing because i i had said that it really wasn't my fight my battle um that was jen hatmaker's battle because i was friends with jen but i just met her when all this was happening when 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 they were taking her books off the shelf and i remember telling her that my niece was gay and she had died of a heroin overdose. And I was really grateful that she said what she said, but mm. that I personally wasn't sure how to make sense of the scriptures, right? Right. And the reason that I wasn't sure how to make sense of it is because it didn't touch my life where I felt like I needed to make sense of it. So right. I could read it and just let someone else give me the the, the basics of it, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not affecting my life. Right. It's not, I'm not needing to to, to dive deep into that. I don't need to then go find the historical context of this. I don't then need to go find the Aramaic 
of what was said or the Hebrew of what was said or the Greek right. of what was said. Right. I don't have to sit here and process the fact that the word homosexual didn't even wasn't even a thing until the 1900s. And yet somehow it's in the Bible. Right. I, I don't have to think about any of that right. because it's not my thing. Right. right? right. And, it, and it's not affecting me. And so it wasn't until my beloved girl told me her story that I was like, okay, now I need to know all the things. And it wasn't even like I had to do this great dive or this great leap. It was, it was so clear because I had raised, I don't even know how y'all she's, she's to me, she's a perfect human being. Like yeah. I will fight someone on that. <laughs> I'm not going to fight but, you on it. I believe you. <laughs> she is this beautiful, loving young woman who loves everyone and, you know, tries really hard to be so accepting of people. And she's funny and she's smart and she's good. She's just inherently good. And so for me, there was no stretch in her, mm. her God loving her. I, I'd seen how God loved her, right? But, you know, if you don't have that experience, because you're so insulated, you're so gated. Everyone at your church has the same um, yes. demographic yes. as you do. Or if it's different, it's just socioeconomic and you can throw money at it by putting money in your tithe or just right. throwing some donations here and there. But until you actually have a life that's full of complicated um ideas of what it means to be a human being on this earth yeah you will continue to believe that there's a certain way to be a human being on this earth and so and then you'll be completely sure that there's a certain way to be a holy human being on this Mm -hmm. earth right and so when i could see holiness in other people even people who are um atheists and don't believe in god Mm that's when the blinders come off because you're, you're experiencing something different. But the thing that the church is really good at, Mm. it's really good at keeping us from doing that. Mm. It's really good at saying, you know, the shack is evil. Don't read that book. Right. Right. It's really good at saying, don't see that movie that has bad language in it. So you can't watch do the right thing. So you don't know stories. You have no context except um, the war room and right. Right. Um, undefeated or whatever those movies right. are. You only right. have that worldview. Right. And so you have no other worldview. And so in those movies, guess what? Most of the people are white and there's a couple of black people and they all believe in Jesus and they all come to the same conclusion yeah. in the end. Right fireproof i think that's yes. the other one fireproof. so when those are the god's only stories dead. that you have <laughs> exactly god's not dead but you don't have pose right to draw upon and you don't have um what's another one david makes man and you don't have parasite what a what a glorious movie about human dignity and what it means to to be seen mm. and to be accepted right when you're told that 
all these movies are they're bad and, and they're they're unholy and, and ungodly and you won't watch them hmm. when you can't watch the new Star Trek series, right? right? That's right. amazing, right? right? Right. Because there's um queer and gay love in it. Right. Right. I think that's the thing. We censor life. We censor human dignity and we censor life so often. Um, and we're given that mandate from the pulpit that we are supposed to um, only like C.S. Lewis, who <laughs> was very much a heretic, but mm. for some reason, right, I right. love him because he kind of snuck he, in he, there. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a heretic and a universalist. And, and yet people would never people who would never read Richard Rohr right. will right. will just quote C.S. Lewis all day long. And I'm like, are y'all reading the same C.S. Lewis? It's, it's so bizarre to me. It's funny you say that because I was just talking to someone the other day and I was making the point that people will go to like a charismatic worship event, have someone prophesy over them. But if you yeah. go to a psychic, you're a heretic. I'm like, exactly. I'm like, okay, so what we're doing is we're just changing the location and what it looks like, the but the same result. What it looks like. Right? Same the same result. result. I'm going to pray over yeah. you. God's giving me a word. This is coming your way. You know, yeah. I, I sense opportunity for you. I mean, it's exactly. literally like it, it is. Exactly. It's psychics shit, dare exactly. I say that. You know, like, yeah. It, it's just very yeah. interesting to me that, like, a lot of people don't because like you said because we've been just taught to see things which we have, um with one particular very specific lens right? right anything outside of that lens even if it's the same foundational ingredients just rearrange the right. wrong way problematic but oh no no it's if, problematic. You take, if you take the same ingredients and rearrange them in this way and put some white frosting on it no problem yeah. at all right no problem and, and you're yeah. totally correct in what you're saying 100% agree yeah, it's really weird to me how I, I have friends who their kids could not read Harry Potter or see Harry Potter movies, but they could see Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And I'm just like, and right. Game of Thrones for that matter. Oh, and I'm yeah, just right. like, right. oh my gosh, Gandalf is casting out demons just like <laughs> Harry Potter is. What in the world are you talking about? Voldemort is is the same as the the eye of Mordor. Right. I mean, it's, right. It, it just it just is really weird to me how um we've decided these things. And I'm I'm I had an argument with what well, not an argument. I had a rebuking from a friend who was warning me against the the, the Shack movie. Of course. And I mustn't see it. And I thought that's so weird. Why? They hadn't seen it. They hadn't read the book. Right. But it was the whole idea that God and I and I had read some some things about William Paul Evans. I think is his name, the author of that that book. And I remember just going, okay, but there's a reason that he wrote this book. The way that he wrote it, his experience was so different than yours. Not having a loving father, actually having a very abusive situation, right? And that he, you're upset because you're mad because his God is a is a woman like you right. you can't handle that even though God is an agenda right and if these agenda if God's agenda it's definitely they them right because it's three and one 
And like, might I, I add, like, I'm sorry to cut you off. Might I add, in the yeah. Bible, God is referred to as a nursing mother. Lady Wisdom yeah, is exactly. another name for God in the Bible. Lady I of mean, Wisdom, yeah. So it's not it's like, so like it's not foreign. Bizarre. It's there. And yeah, and so there's just this this censoring that we do, yes. and we miss we miss so much beauty. I yeah. mean, and I I am fortunate that I had a mother who was a heretic and very much, you know, into all the things. And so I remember my mother used to do this thing. It used to, it used to um, just horrify us. But on our block, every Saturday, like every, you know, not every Saturday, but it seemed like it. Um, but there would be the Jehovah, the Jehovah's Witnesses would come down our block. And you could see, know they were coming because, Children would be called inside. Door, doors would be slammed. <laughs> D- curtains Hide would be drawn. <laughs> and my mother would literally invite them in, light up a joint, grab her Bible. I love it. <laughs> and, and like have these tete-a-tetes with the, with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And I don't know. I just always just think, it, it's really funny. But then she's also the woman who, like, I was having this conversation with my sister about Bible translations. And she was just like, nope, mom always says it's the King James Version. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, our mother was mentally ill and you know it. Why would you believe her? You know? What a weird so intersection, it's right? Like, <laughs> it's just weird. So it's just, I think. Amazing. I I trust God enough. I trust yeah. in the God that I feel the that has created this earth and this universe and all the the different um, galaxies. I trust the goodness of that enough mm, good. that my searching can be messy, maybe even wrong. Mm. But if uh, along the way my my heart's desire is just to love more people, yeah. it's never gonna it's never gonna be the wrong thing in the end. Yeah. And I don't fear, um, I, I'm not living towards death. And I think that's another thing in the church. Most of what we do is towards death, towards the ever after. There's not a lot of earth. There's a lot of heaven, 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 heaven. You're right. And not enough of here on earth. Yes. And it's funny because Jesus's ministry and even the whole of the Old Testament says so very little about heaven. You're absolutely It's right. very little focus on that. Yep. The, everything's in the here and now. Those stories are so very here, so very now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet we spend a lot of time making decisions based on whether or not we're going to get into heaven. Yep. And I think a lot of people just can't believe that God could be that good. And yet the very word gospel is new so good it can't possibly be true. And yet they just can't believe that God could be that good, that God can love um, this trans black man or trans black woman just as much as this white Republican conservative pastor like that, that, that we're so compartmentalized and we're so, we categorize our group so much that we can't believe that there's a God that doesn't do that. Even though the proof is in the very nature of how the world works and 
the fact that everything is diverse. There is no sameness. And so those two stars are alike. There's a sun and a moon. Like there's all these different planets. They all have different atmospheres. They all have different things going on, right? Right, And yet we're like so convinced that sameness is the way to go. Mm, And so when I think that about this God that's so diverse in in expression, um, a literal just painting of just all kinds of just paint thrown at the canvas and all the media, all the photographs, like all of it, it's this big mosh of creativeness. I, I'm pretty confident that I can love people in a crazy way yeah. and it's going to be okay. It's yeah. going to be just fine. Yeah. Wow. Woo. Okay. Now I need a joint. I don't even smoke if I'm going to start. You know? <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't. Oh, yeah, I grew up. It was so much a part of my childhood that I don't either. Um, but um, <laughs> it's funny. Our dog, we got our dog some dog treats that have CBD. Because <laughs> she freaks out when we leave. Yeah. And it's uh, funny. And we got her this peanut butter that's doped up too. And it's funny because now whenever we get this peanut butter, she won't take it. Like we have to force her to have it because she's like, I don't know what that is. But I took like an eight-hour nap the last time you did that to me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't either. But, yeah, my mom would totally, if she were here right now, um, <laughs> she's, she's passed. But she would totally be in the background just helping herself. I, I guarantee you that. <laughs> Go for it, mom. It's all you. So, all right. So, honestly, we're, we're, we're already over one hour. I can't believe that. Time flies. Do you have time for one more question, uh, one final question? Of course. Okay. Thank you. I'm just kind of curious to get your perspective because, um, you know, you lived a little bit longer than I have and you've seen more things than I have. And there's more wisdom there. And, I, you know, again, I, I know you can't speak as, you know, maybe an authority on the subject, but again, in your mm-hmm. experience, do you find us in America on the right path to kind of, you know, reconciliation truly of, of, of racism and, 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 and repentance? Or do you kind of see things like, you know, getting worse or, Hey, it, it's the same stuff, just rearranged. Like what are you seeing from, from then to now kind of thing when it comes to racism in America? That's a really good question. And, and honestly, I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know if we're on the right path or not. Yeah. I don't even know if we're on a path. Mm. <laughs> mm. Honestly. Um, but I do see a lot of really good work out there. Yeah. I see a lot of people doing things that I never thought I'd see. I never, I never thought I'd see a black president, mm. even a mixed president. I certainly didn't think I would see a black president with a wife that was black, like yes. for real black. Right. I right. never thought that. I never imagined that um, white people would rise up like they did for George Floyd. Never, mm. never, never would have imagined it. Because when the, um, not not so long before that, when the um, Unite the, 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 yes. the Right, Unite the right thing rally. happened in, in Charlottesville, yeah. um, it seemed, I, I remember feeling that it was something that was only happening to me. And all my white friends are just kind of living their life like, oh, yeah, that's terrible. 
But for me, it was devastating. It was devastating. It made me feel small. It made me feel scared. It made me feel a whole bunch of things. So much so that we had to take a like weekend vacation because I was so messed up from it. Yeah. But I I never imagined that I would see the things that I see now. I never envisioned or could have even dreamed of a Stacey Abrams or an Ava DuVernay. None of that in my childhood would have seemed possible. I see more Black people on TV than I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm. I see, I, I, I have never heard the voice of Asian women come out so strongly mm. after what happened in um, Houston. Was it yeah. Houston? Uh, uh, um, in, um, Tennessee. in Texas. I think it's saying, I think it was Texas with the shootings. With it, with, uh, it was the Atlanta. Uh, it was the Atlanta uh, shootings. The, the, uh, the Atlanta shootings in Georgia, for but you know, like all of that is very hopeful yeah, to me. Yeah, right. I, I've never seen so many history books written by Black people, and when I say that, y'all, I'm talking about four books. Like I, there, there are four books that I just never would have imagined would be at the bookstore and people mm. reading it. Mm. And yet that's happened. So right now we have four. My dream is that there just be more, right. more representation out there. And I think that that's, that is, if that's the path, then yeah, I think the more represent, I think um, I, I, I'm listening to this really interesting book. I can't think of the name of it, but it's a journalist who says that it's politics is always the last in culture to get the memo mm. um, that you usually see things change in movies and then you see a change in politics. Mm. Like when you see things changing in culture, yeah, politics doesn't change culture as rapidly as we do. And even though I'm saying rapidly, it's still a slow slog for us. Like right. it's a, I mean, Look how long it took for a black man to win an Academy Award again. Right. Um, since Sidney Portier. I mean, I mean, we're talking about these in- incremental steps throughout the years, but I think our awareness has changed the game. We yeah. we are so much more aware. So much was hidden because we weren't didn't have this connected, like you and I having this conversation. It's a miracle. Yeah. It's a miracle. Yeah. And so the fact that we have this kind of connectedness is really, really hopeful mm. because otherwise I don't think I would have heard about George Floyd had there had not, someone not been there with a cell phone recording it all. Right. Right. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known all of Trump's corruptness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, if there weren't the instant reporting of these things. Right. You know, we wouldn't have seen all the things that we've seen. And yeah. so the insurrection would have certainly been on our TV screens. But all the conversation around these things that happen um, used to just be at the water cooler at work. And if you're working at the water cooler and everyone looks just like you and believes and votes just like you, not much is going to change. But now our water cooler is Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and podcast and you know um and on and, and news articles online which we didn't have like I just think it's amazing so I'm hopeful because of those things where the church is in that 
Man, oof. I, 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 I feel you. Like, I feel you on that one. I don't know. I I was saying I posted recently about Ted Lasso, and it was I love Ted Lasso. I, I love Ted Lasso, and, I, and Roy Kent is like we love him in our home. Love we love Roy can, Kent can so really much. Quick? We discovered that show yesterday, and we binged the oh, whole thing in one day. You, My wife and I were like, "Next, next, next." I love Roy yes. Kent. I love Roy Kent. Roy Kent He's great. It's amazing. Great. And what he says to Rebecca, who's the woman who owns the team, yes, about not settling. Yes. Like you should just. I'm like, that's how we should be when we go to church. It should be. Yes. It should be miraculous, but with it's not. A lot not. of efforts thrown in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a lot of efforts. I love it. But I, I think it's going to change. I do because I, I think that culture will demand it, and and the numbers are clear. People are leaving the church. Yep. And um, they can continue to fight and say that nope, it's, it has not. But if you really were, and this is if you were a person who's listening to this who doesn't really want to be listening to this, someone sent it to you. <laughs> And you're listening because you want to get back to them and tell them all the reasons that I'm BS and Tim's BS and the whole thing's BS. Just hear me out here. If what you're doing is truly the work of Jesus, Jesus attracted hordes of people to him. Hordes. Um they were pressing into him when he's walking down the street and the woman who's bleeding touches his robe, right? So they're taking roofs off of, of um, places and lowering their friends for healing. If what the church is doing is, is so on point and so exactly what Jesus asked us to do, the exact kind of way that he asked us to love, we will be drawing more numbers to us in the same radical ways, but we're not. It's the opposite. People are leaving. They're, they're fleeing. And I think that that's the biggest signal to the church that, hey, we, we have to repent. We have to turn this around. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's a bold, difficult thing to do, yeah. but I think they'd be amazed at how much more God, I think that's the miracle of the loaves and fishes is that it's not so much that about everyone was fed and full. It's about everyone participating in the miracle. Everyone's presence mm. made the miracle possible. Wow. So the fact that everyone's not invited and everyone's not being fed yeah. is because we're kind of like the disciples, when Jesus makes the suggestion, the church is like the disciples who are just like, no, send them home. All these people, we can't possibly do it. But the truth is that there's there's no end of love. Yes, you can love the gay community and the trans community and Black communities and Asian communities as hard as you love Jesus. Mm-hmm. You absolutely can. There's enough love. It's never going to run dry. Mm-hmm. And people are never going to stop pursuing love. So like you can either decide to be part of that pursuit and love people um, and not love them and be like, yeah, we love you, but you can't serve. We love you, but you can't get married. That's ridiculous. Right. But to love them and to trust that God has enough love for you 
that um, you don't have to worry about that. I, I'm, I'm fine. If I get to whatever heaven is, and I'm not so sure it's everything that they told me it was in church, <laughs> but um, whatever heaven is, if I get there and just think, and Jesus says, why did you love your daughter? Or why did you love this fabulous person, right? right. They're gay. Then we've really knelt down to an idol yeah. and a demon. And I know that Jesus is neither of those things. God mm. is neither of those things. Mm. So I just think that we need to stop worrying about how we're going to get to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. kingdom is nigh. Yeah. <laughs> just to say it's here and now. Yeah. yeah and yeah. start start practicing the community of heaven right here on earth and and the transition is going to be be seamless that way wow yeah i love that answer um marcy it was really great you know having you on and sharing your wisdom and so many things for me to even ponder and think about um i appreciate the time and and for making it possible um where can we where can people find you where can they follow you you know where are you online these days um I'm only on Instagram, y'all. I'm I'm an old soul. I can only handle so much. Fair enough. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I can't do Twitter. I can't do it. So I'm just on Instagram at Black Coffee with White Friends. If you go there, all my other stuff I talk about, and and you'll 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 figure out all the other things <laughs> that I have. But if you go to Black Coffee with White Friends on Instagram or Google that and pull up my blog, you'll find me. Awesome. Well, thanks, Marcy, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Of course.